built with wisdom and not just sweat and blood and timber. Here in this house, I've shared in building it, but I didn't lift a finger. And I've seen the gospel spoken through the words my brothers live in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Here in This House. I am your host David Allen and I am so glad that you took time to listen to the podcast. Um, in the past I've, I'm kind of taking a different direction but more of the original tent of the podcast. Um, I, I, I've been, because of the election and every impeachment and everything that's gone on in the past year I really <clears throat> talked a lot more about what was going on politically and although that's part of what this podcast is about um, is politics pertaining to the church and um, the different um, perspectives that people have inside the church on what that should look like and uh, and try and seek and find the biblical perspective but I'm going to take it a little different direction today um, not that we won't ever talk about that, but um, I'm wanting to um, uh, talk a little more about Scripture. Um, I drive around the, the Midwest a lot at my job as a truck driver. And I see in different towns there's some similarities. Um, three things you'll always see in every town. I don't care how big it is. You're going to find a bar uh, where you can go quench your thirst. Um, you're going to find uh, a church. You use your, or you are. I, every town I go into, somewhere there's a little church. But the third one um, is one I most people would not maybe think of, but there's always a graveyard. And you can even tell where there used to be um, a town or where there was a population of some kind because you'll I'll see little graveyards out um, kind of in the middle of nowhere old graveyards um, that haven't don't look like they haven't been touched nobody's been there for for years and years and it got me to thinking um, just about the people that live their lives and, and they were no different than us um, they had their troubles they had their hopes and dreams um, and they lived their lives and um, and they've passed away just like each one of us um, will one day pass away we got a hundred percent of the people who are born will die and um, so in, in I'm always fascinated by walking into especially the old graveyards you look at the the name and especially the dates some of these old graveyards you go into and people were born in the 1700s and 1800s and gosh you go over to England um, like Westminster Abbey and they're in the uh, 1400s 1500s 1600s but each one of those people had a life and um, but they're wherever they are now um, and the Bible talks about uh, two places we go to and, and if those people could tell us what they see right now 
how would that change your life? I, I think it would change it pretty dramatically. Well, in, in the Bible, in the book of Luke, um, there is a story that's, um, that tells about a man, two men who died, and um, what they saw on the other side. Now, some it's a parable, which means it's, it's meant to teach us some kind of uh, uh, truth or, or a truth. And, um, but, you know, I read and listened to several, um, sermons on this before I, I went ahead and, and started recording this. And there, people have a, a lot of different views on, on this particular parable. Some think it's an actual story and some think, no, it's, you know, it's a metaphor and, um, this what's depicted here is not truly what you will see when you pass over but certainly it tells a story and it's an important story and so um i thought today we'd share the, uh, we'd go over this and um and just uh, share some of my um i don't know some of my thoughts and and what i feel like god is teaching us in this scripture so start reading at uh, luke chapter 16 verse 19 the rich man and Lazarus, I'm reading from the New King James Version. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Sorry, I've got a scroll on my computer here. And at 16.22, So it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment, torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus, Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip his, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. I'm doing the scroll thing here again. My computer's a little slow. Sorry, folks. I'll find a way to get around this next time. And going at um, verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those who are there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said to him, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded by 
one who rises from the dead. So we'll get just a little background um, on, you know, some of the um, cultural things here that um, that really add a lot more to this uh, portion of scripture. Uh, when it said the rich man, when he was uh, uh, clothed in purple, purple back in uh, Bible times was uh, a very, very expensive. It, it, it uh, showed that you ha were very wealthy, and it was even in some, like kings and, and royalty would wear this, this color purple. It was a, a very fine um, and expensive fabric. So if you, you were clothed in purple, you had a lot of money. And it says he fared sumptuously every day, which means he lived like a king. Okay, this guy was really wealthy. Interesting thing here, too. It says, but the babe, uh, certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. And uh, what this is, some people think that this means, and I, I tend to believe this, too, is that, uh, you know, not everybody had money back then. Not everybody could take care of this man. But the thought was, hey, let's go... Uh, lay him at the rich man's gate because he has money he obviously could take care of this guy and so if we we go just lay him at the gate he'll see his need he'll see what he you know uh, the kind of uh, trouble and, and illness that, that Lazarus has and, and he'll help him and um, and, the, and you know the rich man could not miss that I mean he walked by him every day going into the gate and um and he could see that it was in need. He says, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. So the rich man knew that Lazarus was in great, great need, but he walked by him every day. It says something about who this man was. He, he didn't have um, any kind of compassion for uh, somebody in need like this. I mean, it's pretty pathetic when they say, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Uh, this... This goes beyond just somebody's poor and in need. This is somebody that's destitute. And so the hope was maybe the rich man would help him out, but, um, but he didn't. So then it says, the beggar died. Uh, it came that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, my understanding in the Bible, the way Abraham's bosom would mean is into like uh, his blessing where you know it's it's a place of peace and there's food and it's 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 heaven but it, it's it has all the blessings of of the promises of God through Abraham and and you're I guess reaping those and then it says um, you know but it didn't say that uh, the beggar was buried or anything because back in those days they would have just carted him off he would have died in, you know, the city uh, sanitation, whoever would have came along and said, hey, we got a guy that died here. And, and in those days, uh, outside of Jerusalem, there was a, a valley, um, uh, the Valley of Gehenna. And that's where they took all the garbage and um, dead bodies and just everything that they were disposing of, they would take into this valley and burn it, basically. And so um, this is where uh, the beggar would have been taken and, and away and, and his body disposed of, basically. 
Um, and just as a side note, uh, Gehenna um, in the Greek, um, you know, a, a lot of, well, hell is translated from Gehenna uh, into English from the Greek. Um, and it's and it's used as a description of, w of what hell is. I mean, Jesus, you know, this is where the whole argument about uh, is hell, you know, hell isn't really hell. It's this valley, Gehenna, outside of Jerusalem. Well, Jesus was using this to, you know, to help us perceive what hell would be like. And back in those days, they could look out at that valley of Gehenna with the smell, the smoke, the death, the everything, and it's like, that's hell. Okay, that's what that's what it's going to be like. You will be in torment. And um, so at any rate, but that's what it, they would have taken the, um, the poor man, is to this valley of Gehenna and just disposed of his body, while the rich man, when he died, he was buried because he you know, had money and, uh, you know, everybody just had a funeral and everybody would come and say, you know, what a great guy the rich guy was or whatever they're going to say about him. And so immediately the next verse, it says, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, you know, this is where the question comes in. Is this, you know, literal where where this is what you're going to see after you die? Or was Jesus using this, you know, as part of his parable to to um, sh get a message across about, <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's becoming obvious, the rich man and, and the beggar. And, um, and, and we'll find out more, obviously. But the point here, I think, is... is that he immediately was in torment. There was no purgatory. There was no place where he had a chance to make a different choice. Um, and so, you know, immediately he lifted up and he saw Abraham afar off and he saw Lazarus. And so when he cries out, he tells Father Abraham, and this is so interesting, just how the arrogance of this rich man and how he thought that he was above this this poor guy because of his position in life. He said, send Lazarus over. I mean, he's still trying to make Lazarus his servant. You know, Lazarus is still somebody below him. Um, he didn't ask Father Abraham to come over. He said, send Lazarus that he may come and dip his finger in the water to cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. One drop of water would give this guy relief that gives you a little idea hell is a real place and it's um this is a real depiction even even though it may be metaphoric in this story uh jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven and so abraham tells him son remember in your lifetime you received these good things and likewise lazarus received evil things but now he is comfort comforted and you are tormented. And besides this, there's a great gulf fix or chasm, it says, that they can't pass to and from. So even if Abraham, Father Abraham saying, even if I wanted to, I can't do it. It's impossible for me to come there. So um, notice next, you know, it's very interesting that he doesn't make excuses. It's, it's like, Father Abraham tells him, hey, you had good things in life, 
and Lazarus had evil things or, or bad things. And now it's reversed. And, you know, now you're asking Lazarus to come help you out? Um, you know, I mean, do you really, what do you think? You think you're still above him like that? And he didn't make an excuse. He didn't say, but, you know, I didn't know, and Lazarus this, and, you know, my money that. He didn't make any, he said, just the next thing he says, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him, Lazarus again, he's going to do the work, to my father's house. He obviously knew he couldn't go. He obviously knew that, that his is permanent. What, what happened to him is permanent there. But there must be some kind of freedom that he could see in heaven that, that definitely he did not have down in Hades. And, um, and so, you know, it's really quite interesting. He didn't make excuses. He knew. I mean, he knew that his sin had, this was judgment for his sin. It's also interesting to notice that the first thing he thinks about is his, you know, his father's house. And, and he says, the next verse says, For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. Um, you know, the fact that he can, and he's very conscious. He understands what's going on. And he understands how terrible this is. And he's thinking, you know, my brothers aren't going to know any better. I didn't know any better. This is uh, as horrible as you could possibly imagine. And so he's begging him to, to tell his brothers. And this is where it really gets good. Because um, Abraham says to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And then the rich man, No, but like, you don't understand, Abraham. If somebody comes back from the dead... They'll repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither would they, would, be, would they be persuaded by one who rises from the dead. Now this goes on to tell, um, because Jesus rose from the dead, and people still didn't believe. The people of that day, the people who were waiting for the Messiah, they thought Jesus was going to be this great king that was going to come and take power, and was going to uh, overthrow Rome, and, you know, the Jewish nation would be, um, you know, a great powerful nation. And that's, that's really, I think, the thrust of the message here is we, we have, God has sent his word. He has sent people to preach his word. He has sent prophets in the past. He has, um, and, and he sends people now today to come and tell and prophesy. To prophesy means to tell of God. And he's doing that today, yet people are still not sure. They're like, you know, I, I still don't get this. I still don't believe this. Um, and so, you know, if Jesus was to, you know, come down out of the sky and sit here and, and I could touch him, then I would believe. Well, the fact is, that's not true. At least not for many, many people, because even back in that day, Jesus um, did miracles, and the apostles, um, they did miracles and wonders and signs, and it was, I mean, there was, it was clear that they had supernatural power that wasn't from them, and they proclaimed it wasn't from them, and, that, and Jesus proclaimed that, you know, 
he is the Son of God. Yet, they still rejected him, and they still, um, they, they wouldn't listen. That's very much like today. Uh, there was, you know, so many people, and, 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 and this is a problem today, and, and Scripture testifies at this, to this, that there's going to be false prophets. And what is it? They're, they're, they're coming out and saying, we have, you know, this special knowledge that nobody knows about. Or we have these miracles. And if you come, you know, and you come to Jesus, he's going he's gonna to make great things and you're going to be blessed in your life. And, you know, all you got to do is come to him. And they're coming for what they're going to receive instead of, just being dependent on on Christ and dependent on Him, um, bringing that life to them. But what I really thought about as I, I drove past those graveyards, and and this was from a movie we saw with the kids. I cannot remember the name of the movie. It was a, a Christian movie, and this this older guy took these kids down to this graveyard, and that's basically what he he said. He's like. He goes, can you hear them talking? And the kids are like, that's kind of creepy. It's like, well, they all have a story, and they all could tell you right now exact some of the things that you cannot see. But there's truth. And um, so many of us are waiting for something, you know, some kind of miracle or something that's going to convince me beyond the shadow of a doubt Jesus is real. I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a savior, um, and, and, and then I'll accept Christ. Well, here's the thing. Christ has chosen you, and he's chosen you in this way. He's come to this earth, um, and he has sh shown his truth, and shown that he is, without a shadow of a doubt, the Son of God. He is who he says he is. And if you don't believe by faith that, that what is written in Scripture is true, because if you believe what is written in Scripture is true, then if you don't believe what Jesus said, that is a flat-out denial. Just like the people back in, them, in that day said, Oh, send me, you know, Send Lazarus to come back from the dead to tell my brother so they'll believe. Well, they had Moses and the prophets. We have the same thing today. So my question is, is there anything holding you back from believing what has already been presented, which, what has already been um, uh, shown to be true? Because you either believe it or you're not going to believe it. But some kind of miracle happening isn't going to change your mind and, and more likely it's going to you're going to put faith in that miracle instead of faith that Christ chose you to come and uh, be a disciple or has chose you for salvation and he's chosen you to be his child and any other either you accept him or, or you reject him but it's going to take faith in him and not, and not in the things that you necessarily see. There are lots of multitudes that followed Jesus, but in the end, there was only a few, um, the 12, that followed him because um, 
The rest were looking for something. They were wanting something from Jesus. And um, they, they didn't want to give up their lives. And that's what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to, um, to lay down everything we have, to give everything we have, to submit to Him. But the reality here is very clear that there is a heaven and there is a hell and it's real and the moment you die you'll be one or one place or the other and are you going to re receive Christ are you going to recognize your sin just like John the Baptist was calling the sinners to repent uh, repent and believe Acts 319 repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Jesus is longing that you come to him. He's longing that you um, reflect on your life and to take stock of your life and to, to allow his Holy Spirit to come and minister to you come and speak truth to your heart and he promises that if you repent that you'll be saved I love this 2nd Peter 3 9 the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance so repentance means to turn away means to recognize you're heading in the wrong direction and to turn around and to walk the other way and that means to walk and follow Jesus. Revelation 3.19 says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repentant, repentance is not a, a one and done either. Um, it's, it's a lifestyle because we're, um, you know, we get dirty. Um, and um, Jesus is saying we're... we're our garments are clean, but where we walk, our feet are dirty. That's why we need our feet to be washed and to be cleansed. So all of us, we need to repent. And like I said, we, when we come to Christ, we repent and we're new. But it is a process of, of continually confessing our sins to God. And, and there are scriptures that say confess to one another. That... Um, we may, um, you know, walk in obedience to Christ, and um, and and so important just to know that um, should we choose to reject Christ, we, we come under judgment, and um, God's judgment is fierce and it's permanent, and um, I wouldn't want that for for anybody that I know. But I think this scripture helps us to see um, that there's a truth to that, that there's a reality to that, and that Christ is here right now through his word, through his people, um, through his creation, and he is calling out to us to come to him and be saved and have eternal life with him. That is the promise that, God, that Jesus has. Come and you'll have eternal life. And, and one day we'll, we'll all we'll have that headstone 
in the graveyard. I know this sounds morbid, but it's it's truth. I mean, sometimes we we got to talk about this because it's truth and it's real, and it can happen sooner than we think or know. Um, and so, uh, I just share this with you, and in hopes that it spurs you on to, uh, if you don't know Christ, that you would hear his words and heed them and to allow him to just speak to you uh, read his his word his um, the gospels the bible um, if you don't have one um, you can send me a, a message you can send it uh, through facebook is uh, here in this house at facebook if you look that up or you can email me at here in this house podcast at gmail.com here in this house podcast at gmail.com it's kind of a long one but uh, I would love um, to share Christ with you um, either for the first time or we could share as believers and as scripture says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That we would, um, we would uh, just strengthen each other uh, in the Lord. So thank you for listening today. I know this was kind of a sermon. I don't normally do sermons um, because I, I'm not. Well, I'm a, I'm an evangelist. I'm not necessarily a preacher. I want to tell people about Christ. I want to tell people about the truths of Christ. I'm very. I have a heart that no one should perish and 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 that you know here it is um and it and if you choose to not take it know how serious that is it's more serious than you can ever imagine it's eternity it's permanent and it doesn't change the same goes with following christ it's permanent it's eternal and it's glorious and it's what god created us for so um Until next time, I hope that you do well, God bless you, and um, I'll talk to you again. One of these days we all will stand in judgment for every single word that we have spoken. One of these days we all will stand before the Lord. Come